Amen. Well, let's uh, make sure we thank the worship team here this morning. They were a gift to us. Well, I wanted to officially give up my own happy Mother's Day to all the moms here. And so first off, my, my own mother is here from Chicago. So she can wave to everybody. Say hi. We're excited to have her. And then... My wife, I'm so grateful for. I wanted to take a second. You guys had a chance to actually see all the moms stand up so you know where they're located. So we're going to try an exercise. You're going to find a mom and tell them, I'm extremely grateful for you. And the word extremely has to be in there, okay? So find a mom, tell her you're extremely grateful for them, all right? Ready, go. All right, well, I am excited to be with you guys this morning and continue in our uh, series where we've been, as you know, if you've been around, we've been working through a series called Tough Love, and it's been exactly that. We've had some tough topics to tackle, and none more difficult than the one this morning where we're dealing with our tongues, our words, the way that we speak. I think if, uh, if you're like me, is there anyone in here that wishes, the, or there, there's some things that you've said that you wish you could pull back? Anybody have a few of those things as they reflect back? I better see every hand up in this room. All right, all right. And, and so, in fact, to help, uh, help my family afford to live in California, I'm working on an invention, and uh, it's called the Word Sucker 2000. It, uh, I'm still working on the, 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 how this functions, but it actually pulls back words that you wish you hadn't said. And so I've got the patent that's in process right now. No, ju- just kidding. Uh, just kidding. We can get the word sucker 2000 off of there. Um, but, but, but we do, it is easy in this topic to, to laugh about that topic. But for a lot of us, there are things that legitimately we wished we could do pull back things, words that were spoken. And that's why this topic this morning is so relevant. Not only are there things that we wish we could take back, there's actually things uh, from what we speak that that say about a lot about who we are. In fact, the tongue is a tattletale and it tells on the heart. It discloses the real person. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says this, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's a direct link between our heart and what's going on inside of us and what actually comes out in our words. I think James recognized this, and that's why in every single chapter, did you know that, of the book of James, he talks about the tongue. He talks about the tongue and the importance of having reign over that. And so that's what we're going to be tackling here this morning. And so before we dive into... God's word in the book of James chapter 3. Let me pray for us before we begin. Dear God, we just come to you right now just recognizing just the importance of this topic. And although we want to make sure that this morning we celebrate moms and just what a gift they are to each one of us and how we literally wouldn't be here without them, God, we too want to make sure that in this process of unpacking this text, 
that we can give the best gift possible to a mom in having better rain on our tongues. God, I pray that you teach us this morning that I would be small, that you'd be great, that you'd use the words in this book that James wrote through your Holy Spirit to teach us more about how to control our tongue. We recognize our complete dependence on you in this area. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles with you, and if you don't, the nice thing is we place them in front of you uh, in the pew. Uh, If you could turn with me, we're in James chapter 3 and verse 1, and we're going to be working through the first 12 verses here with the topic of taming the tongue. And the first words, as James starts in the text, is actually referring to a challenge and a warning for me. So you can take a listen, though. It says this in verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be, will be judged with greater strictness. Amen. All right. And so there's, there's a seriousness to this, even for those of us that are in different teaching roles, for those of you that are teaching Sunday school, for those of you that are leading small groups in different roles of teaching, it's taken very seriously. 2 Timothy 2.15 reinforces this idea where it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And this is something that I try to take very seriously, that I, that I know that I'm going to be held accountable for the words that I teach, even in this setting. And this is why I'm here at 10 p.m. last night reworking uh, this sermon in my office, because it is. It's an important thing. Our words are very critical. Take a look as he continues to discuss this in the text. Verse 2 says this, For we all stumble in many ways. This was a Pentecostal church. There would be an amen there for sure. (laughs) And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Let's pause there for a second. We see in this section that the root problem, even though it's caged behind our teeth, is our tongue. Sin is directly linked to it. And it says in the text there, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Directly linking that our words and what is spoken is the root issue of sin. It's the root issue. And in this text, the context of perfect isn't perfect as in God is perfect, but actually referring the same as in chapter 1, talking about being spiritually mature. In other words, if anyone is spiritually mature, you should be able to see in their life their ability to control what they say, to reign over their tongue. And that's what he's pointing out there because the way the direction of the tongue directs the entire body, the whole way. If you think about it, how do people know us? They know us by the words that we speak. It directs every bit of who we are. That's why he's saying it's so important to control it. And he goes on, I think it's interesting in the rest of this section of scripture, he goes on to go into Eight different illustrations to make this exact point that you have to control your tongue because it guides the very direction of who you are, the very direction of where you're going. The tongue guides all of that. And so like any speaker trying to think through an illustration, he's just like, guys, 
you got to get this. This is so important. Let me give you all of these analogies. And he actually goes through eight different analogies we're going to see in the text. And for those of you that have taught, you've maybe felt this, or maybe moms have felt this as you're trying to illuminate something to your child that doesn't seem to get it. You keep coming, but wait, you got to get this. you got to understand this. It's like this. How many times have you found yourself saying that? It's just like this. I was in uh, Kenya on a, on a serving trip some years back and was actually at this rally that they were doing in the downtown area where each afternoon at about three o'clock they had a different preacher that went up on these wooden stands and these African uh, men that we were working with would go up and they would just preach the lights out, man. These guys were just going for broke and you got amens, you got, I mean, it was a, it was a, a official like revival meeting. And I remember one of the days that we were there and I was a young pastor at the time, I guess I'm still kind of young, uh, not that my hair would say that, but, um, but uh, I was there and the, the, the pastor that was preaching, he just gets done with giving like this awesome sermon and, uh, and tons of amens and people come to Christ and he said, and he came down from the stand and he's like, Scott, you're up tomorrow. And I was like, what? What do, you, what do you mean I'm up tomorrow on this stand in the center of the town? And so, so I went back to my, my hotel room that night, and I'm trying to compile. I knew this was like my, my one shot to get, get across the gospel as clearly as I can. So I started coupling together every single illustration that I've ever heard. I'm like, Billy Graham, what does he say? And, uh, and going through all these, all these analogies, and I start piecing this together, and I get up there, and I just start going after it, man. I was, I was getting amens. I was I was, uh, I was ethnically diverse on that stage up there that morning. And, uh, and it, was, it was a pretty cool thing just seeing how God used that. But the point is, is remembering just so desperately wanting to get a point across that I just, all I could do is just come up with oh, this analogy. Oh, wait, it's like somebody with cancer and you have the cure for it. You've got you've to come to them with that cure. That's the gospel message. That somebody needs Jesus so desperately that they need, you know what I mean? And I started piecing all these things together to get my point across. And that's exactly what James, the, the brother of Jesus, does to get his point across here in the text. We look at his first illustration, it talks about horses. In verse 3, take a look at the text. Verse 3, it says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. This is the first image that he gives, painting the picture of, of a horse and just recognizing that the, a massive animal, I don't know if there's any horse lovers in the room here, but it's interesting that this tiny bit that goes in the mouth of a horse actually reigns that massive animal. It's a pretty cool idea. And, and when, when you try to direct one other than a bit, like it's a pretty hope. Anybody ever tried to move a, a horse before without a bit? Like it doesn't really happen. My uncle tells the, the story of uh, he had a, a few horses and he was in his barn at one point. And he was trying to move a horse from one stall to the other without a bit. And that horse just wasn't having it. Having it. And when he finally moved, the horse actually stepped on my uncle's foot. And, uh, and in my uncle's response, and I'm not endorsing animal cruelty, he actually punched the horse uh, in response. The, the horse just kind of looked at him. So honest story, my, my uncle had a broken foot and a broken hand in one <laughs> effort. And so for the next... Is this true? This is my mom's brother. And uh, for, the next, for the next three months, had, had cast on both, trying to move a horse, having, trying to move a horse without a bit. And that's so true here, saying that this tiny little thing 
pieces and moves the entire massive animal. The same is true, he's making the point, for us. It moves the direction of our entire lives. He continues to paint the the picture in verse 4. He says, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So the second picture here, as we see on the the screen there, is, is ships. And anytime I think of ships, I always comes to mind of the, the Titanic. And, uh, and, and I was thinking, uh, I don't know, anytime I think of the Titanic, I always think of the irony of the, of the one worker that said God himself couldn't sink the Titanic. And uh, I don't know, that just rings in my, in my mind. But, but the idea of, of this, this small rudder trying to direct this entire ship, it's fascinating that that little thing can direct around icebergs or not around icebergs. And that's so true in our, in our own lives. That, but I, I thought in this section there, piece that was most interesting to me, says they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Wherever the will of the pirate pilot directs. The, the, the reason that's interesting to me is because we have a tendency to redirect blame to anyone other than the pilot, right? We don't want to take ownership of our, of our words recognizing that we are the rudder, that we're the one that's, that's guiding our words, that we have control over that. So for us that are typically quick to cast blame, I was thinking through it even this, this week of how often we cast blame on just the silliest of things like, oh, that's my, that's my uh, I'm a hot-headed Italian. Anybody ever said that before? Or, or, or I think every ethnicity has that. Or it's my Spanish temper. You, you fill in the blank with your ethnicity. Like we, we love to blame anything and everything except for ourselves for who is actually turning that rudder. So my question for us this morning is, Who's driving your ship? Who's driving your ship? Who's guiding that? Who's directing that? Are we taking ownership of our words? He points out the danger in verse, as we continue in the text, and we take a look at, at, at fire. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members Staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Pretty intense text there. Fire, the perfect example, because it doesn't run out, and it expands, it keeps going, and it's devastating. For us here in this, this area, and I, it's fun to be able to say us, because now I'm kind of here with you guys, but like, very relevant. I was freaked out by this fire thing here the last couple weeks. <laughs> like, I'm driving down the 101, and it looks like, a, it looks like a, a nuclear bomb went off in the front of me. I'm like, this fire thing, and I'm like, are, are they going to be able to stop? And people are like, oh yeah, that happens all the time. I'm like, not where I'm from, it doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> And, uh, and so this fire thing, in fact, we were just driving past this section that had burned yesterday, and there's just all this barren wasteland from the, where this fire had gone through. And thank God for the one rain every six months that you guys get that, uh, <laughs> that actually stopped it. But, uh, but th- this fire thing, pretty crazy, pretty relevant illustration 
But the, the text says that it's so much so that our words are staining our entire body, our whole body, that our entire course of life can be misdirected because of poorly chosen words. The entire course of our life. You think about it. How many divorces started with some misused words? Family feuds that are still lingering today. Somebody lost their temper. How about sibling rivalry? I haven't talked to a, my sister for nine years. Not me. Just kidding. She's right there. But depressed. How about this one? How about, how about the de depressed adult that still can't get over something that was spoken 30 years ago? Our words have power. And they can redirect the entire course of our life is what he's pointing out here in the text. Ultimately, and he goes as far as ultimately leading, he says, set on fire by hell. Ultimately leading to maybe even the point of someone not acknowledging Christ as Lord and Savior in their, in their life. Our words are a powerful thing, even impacting our eternity. He goes on with one other picture. Animals. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. I really like that picture. <laughs> the, uh, you, the, uh, people are taking a second to let that sink in. Clearly the lion tamer didn't uh, do very well. But, uh, but, but the idea here is painting this picture of Man, we're great as, as taming animals. You can go to the local uh, circus and see the elephants doing exactly what this little man says to do. You know what I mean? Like, like we're great in all of that. But he's painting out the, the idea, but, but no human being can tame the tongue. Can't be done. I thought it's interesting because it's not a human being thing. It's a Holy Spirit thing. It's a Holy Spirit thing. So what needs to be tamed? I came up with some, some C things. Actually, an author did. I, I thought fascinating. The, the, how, about, how about this tongue that needs to, be, needs to be tamed? The complaining tongue. The complaining tongue. So many of us, if you think about it, in our brief interactions in the course of a day are made up of eh, just little complaints, you know, about, I don't know, whatever, the, the weather. I don't know why. Uh, about uh, allergies, about... Uh, spouse, how about the economy, how about the housing market, like, like we just have this bent towards complaining, complaining, is that an area for you, is it a complaining tongue, I remember getting back from that same uh, trip to Kenya that I was referring to earlier, where, where we, we get all bent out of shape, where we hit the like 8% unemployment rate, they had an 87% unemployment rate in Kenya, I remember getting back and, and I, I, had a, I had a conversation with one of the uh, pastors that we were staying with, with one of his sons, and uh, I, we, had, we had gone to a couple different restaurants while we were there, and I, I'd asked him, I was like, well, how often do you end up eating in a restaurant? And he's like, twice. He's like, he's 19 years old, and he's, I was like, like, twice a week, twice a month, and he's like, no, when you took me last week and here today. I was like, I was like, really, 19 years old? You know what I mean? Like, just, just unbelievable the things. I, I remember getting back to the States and just being like, I will never complain again. Never complain again. Like, how silly are our complaints? How ridiculous. And as Almighty God looks down, he must be like, really? 
You know, like, really, I, I've done all this for you, and you're complaining? Must break God's heart. So a complaining tongue. How about this? How about a, a critical tongue? Always finding fault in something. Always finding fault. Seeing the negative in any scenario. That, that, that I feel like, is so commonplace. And they're just like, well, I just have a critical eye. Well, cut that eye out, man. Stop being so critical. Like, be done with that. A critical eye. Spouse or kids can't ever do anything right. Critical tongue. How about this seek? A contentious tongue. Contentious tongue. They love to stir up conflict. Like they're the argumentative one. You ever been in that conversation with a person that starts debating with you about something that you're like, I wasn't even presenting that as something for debate. You know what I mean? You're like, you know what I mean? Like, what, like why are you arguing with me? Some people just have this bent, just love that. And they, they actually, they, all, uh, they sometimes even relish in that. Like, yeah, I'm just really good at seeing both sides to every, you know, stop it. Stop it. Contentious tongue. How about the, the corrupt tongue? Corrupt tongue. Just loose with their words. Just loose. Just like the things that actually slip out. You're like, you're like really? That's coming out of, out of your mouth right now? Like, really? Is that, is that appropriate? A corrupt tongue. I see that played out. How about this one? This one, here's my soapbox I'm getting on is, uh, appropriately, is how, how often I hear even believers using the Lord's name in vain. Like, just letting that slip out. Oh, my G-O-D. You're like, what? Like, I'm pretty sure that's still in the commandment list. You know, like number three. Like, let's, let's be cautious of that. A corrupt tongue. A conceited tongue. Conceited tongue. Love talking about themselves. Like, they, they're really just waiting for any pause in the conversation just to bring things back to me. You know, let's, let's, let's get off your rabbit trail and back to me. Like, the conceited tongue, like, it loves themselves loves taught they love being the center of attention they love being the one that everything revolves around how are we doing on this one conceited tongue how about this the last one of these sees the concealing tongue the concealing tongue the one that doesn't tell truth or maybe half truths partial truths I, uh, when my wife and I moved out here, we actually uh, purchased a new used car, and uh, I, I went down to uh, Cucamongo, whatever that place is called, um, and, uh, and, and purchased a car, and, uh, and, and one of the, I remember I was driving home, and I'm driving, and it was in the evening, and all of a sudden, the headlights went out, like it's nighttime, and I'm like, this is a problem. So I'm, 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 I don't even know. I, I think I, I dialed and called the guy, and I'm like, hey, this car you sold me, the, the headlights are out. You know what I mean? Like, while I'm driving, they're out. That's not good. I know there's not a bumper-to-bumper -bumper warranty on this, but, like, like, you should fix that, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, we'll take care of that. We'll definitely get that fixed for you. And I, I came up with a list of other things that needed re repair. You know what? Guy doesn't return my calls strangely anymore. Doesn't take that call anymore. I'm like, all right, how, how about the, the lying tongue? The lying tongue, concealing the truth, and how often and how common that is in the marketplace today, right? Gentlemen that are in the business world, people talk big, they make promises. Yeah, didn't come through. How about just a returned phone call? Like, how about that idea? You know, like the, just the, uh, the concealing tongue, it goes on in the text as we, as we get, get further into it. So we see the, the animals. We see the fire. Now we see he moves on to the poison. 
that is in our tongues. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Verse 9. With it we bless our Lord and Father, singing this morning, and with it we curse people who are made in his likeness, of, in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. It shouldn't be like that. That's what he's saying. So the, this, this idea of poison, two different parallels that he paints there. He says, he says, first he's like, how can we be in one moment singing our lungs out about God's greatness and the next moment you're ripping somebody to shreds, you know? He's like, it shouldn't be like this. When I was growing up in uh, junior high, uh, my folks had moved from Ohio and I moved to um, Chicago in seventh grade. And I remember just trying to uh, kind of adjust to the different environment there. On my walks home from school in junior high, this was seventh grade, they had this great idea with this group of kids of doing these things called burn fights. And so on the walk home, they, they would take turns and have two kids just going at it back and forth, just saying every possible mean thing about each other. Like, isn't that terrible? And a lot of times, truth be told, mothers even got pulled into this. Why do moms, your mothers, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, what? You guys remember that from the 90s? The moms getting pulled into this equation? But, was, but we, we talk about that with kids, and you're like, man, that's, that's messed up. Like, that's a, that's a problem in our, in our school system, I'm sure. Uh, it's the teacher's fault. But, uh, but, <laughs> but, but, but how often, like, the, how often as adults, we've just learned to be a little better at it, you know? We maybe don't have burn fights, per se, on our, on our drives back and forth from work. Maybe you do. But, uh... But, but how quickly we move to the, like, just more subtle jabs, you know? We use these things like sarcasm, where we're just, we, we, we get that little jab in there, that little hurtful thing where everybody kind of chuckles, but you know it was a zinger. You know it was going to leave a little bit of a sting. We cover things up we're like, oh, I was just joking around, just joking around, right? You're like, since when can you say something, like, hurtful and demeaning and just label it joking around? Like, that's not right. So cursing. How about this? I've heard it even happens in church world. Gossip. This thing, gossip, where we, where, we, where we actually, anybody ever been on the receiving end of gossip and you find out about it? It stinks. It hurts, man. It hurts. And in church, we have the tendency of starting it with, did you hear what happened with, you know what I mean? Or, or I really think we need to pray for them about this. You're like, Really? And so the, so the gossip thing is, is the way that cursing looks in our present day. The text says, this isn't the way that it should be. There's a certain way that it ought to look, that it ought to look. And sometimes there's a pretty big gap between reality and the way things ought to look in the kingdom. I like the idea of blessing because that's a lot more positive there. So he gave two different parallels. You could either be about blessing or you could be about cursing. I want my life to be about blessing. Anybody else with me in that camp? Like Because I talked about this a few weeks back about the power that encouraging words can have on somebody. The, the, the blessing piece, the, the, the Greek word, or I'm sorry, the Hebrew word for blessing is the word barak. My sister pointed that out to me yesterday, which means to give life. To give life. How awesome is it to think that our words have the potential, instead of cursing and taking life, but actually the ability to give life. The ability to give life. 
My, little, uh, my youngest daughter, Sienna, uh, she's just a little squirt. You probably see her running around here. But uh, she was making a little Mother's Day card for Adrian uh, this week. And, and I think my, my mom was helping her kind of create this uh, uh, impressive document. And, uh, and asking her, like, so what do, you, what do you like about your mom? What do you like about her? And she's like, she's nice. And, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm like... I'm like, really? My, after all the blood, sweat, and tears my wife has been through, you're gonna you're gonna linger on nice? Like, can't you come up with some better descriptors than that? You know, like, like can't we work on that? But, uh, but my, my point being is like, some of us have stayed in like the the child camp of blessing. You know, like we just we we haven't moved into like adulthood with this. We haven't learned the ability to, to communicate observations effectively about somebody that we care about. We haven't moved on past some, some of those, those childlike abilities to bless and, and, and instead of actually taking the time to think through some words, think through some things to say about your, your, your wife or your mom this week, to tell, to tell Adrian that she's a breath of fresh air in my lungs every day, that her ability and the, the fact that she cares for people that are, that are hurting, like it, it stretches me to be more and more like Christ in that area. Like what, what if we took the time to, to actually say things that, that, that are from our heart, you know, like the, the ability to bless somebody. It can change things even in our family dynamics. You know what I'm saying? What would that look like if we became a, a church of blessing instead of cursing? Learning to translate observations about someone into words with depth. Words with depth. The text says that that's what we ought to be doing. It goes on for one more illustration. So we've moved through so far quite a, quite a few pictures. We've horses, ships, fire, animals, poison. And now moving on to another one. And this is in verse 11. A spring. Does a spring pour forth from the uh, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water both from the same opening the big idea here is that there needs to be consistency in our life we can't claim one thing and be another by what comes out of our mouth because what is that what is that when somebody claims one thing and they do the exact opposite what do we call that person a hypocrite, right? Like, what's the what's one of the words that like really disgusts us more than anything? Is a hypocrite, somebody that says one thing but does the exact opposite, and that's what James is saying here. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? It shouldn't be like this. That's not what God's called us to. He goes on in verse twelve to another picture of trees. The same idea, can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The picture there of the trees I thought was interesting. One of the things that was so fun for us moving into the area is seeing all the fruit trees that you all have around. And maybe you've kind of grown numb to it, but it's pretty cool our little... Uh, our little townhome deal that we have even has a little lemon tree in the back. And we go and, and pick fresh lemons and cut them up and make, I don't know what you do with lemon, lemon water. And, uh, uh, but but it's, it's almost a, a comical idea that even a child would get this picture. 
even a child would get this. You don't have a lemon tree that, that starts bearing oranges, you know? Like, no, although that would be sweet. Like, uh, like, it doesn't happen. And that's what James is saying here in the text. He's saying, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce, produce figs? It's just not happening. It's a, it, you can't have that dual existence. You can't have that dual existence of, of, of claiming one thing and then yielding exactly the opposite. Otherwise, you have to question whether you're what you claim to be, right? Moving on in that last picture that he paints, the very last one. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. I thought this one, if there's any of them, that kind of encapsulates the whole idea, a salt pond yielding fresh water, the entire issue is this. If we hope to speak in a manner that is pleasing to God, it has to start at the source. It has to start at the source. It can't be... You can't expect fresh water to come out of a salt pond, right? Like, that, that, that's just never going to happen. It has to start at the source. The source has to start by being the fresh water before it can yield fresh water, right? You can grasp that, right? He, Chad is like giving me the amen. Yeah, I get that. I get that, which is encouraging because I'm a little slow sometimes on things. But, but, but the idea here, when the, the, the idea that our words have to start at the source, just like fresh water has a fresh water source, so our words start with the living water. The living water. Do you guys remember that interaction with the woman at the well when they're going back and forth and he's explaining that she, he had a, that Jesus had a, a water that she was never going to thirst again. And she's like, man, I, I want some of that water. But I love Jesus' response to her, to her. It says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. We focus on that a lot. The second part, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Love that picture. Will become in him a spring of water welling up. You see, when we're intimately connected with our Savior, with the Lord, when we have a, a depth of relationship with him, it wells up out of us. It starts at the source. It starts at the heart. In John 7, 38, Jesus says a similar, speaks a similar idea when he says this, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Isn't that your desire? That's my desire. Otherwise, it's just, it's just behavior management, you know? Otherwise, you're, like we've talked about before, it's just another thing that we need to work harder on. We're just managing our behavior, like getting this word thing under, under control. All right, now I got that, and I got that pushed down. And you guys uh, remember that, that, that little game that they have at arcades with the little heads that pop up, and you got the little thing whacking them? Anybody else ever play that game? And you, is it called whack them? And, and you whack one, and the other one pops up, and you get that one, and then another one pops up. And, the, and that's what... This whole behavior thing, if we're not careful and following Christ, can become. It's trying to manage the, the behavior instead of going to the source itself. You see, when we have an intimate, in-depth relationship with Jesus Christ, out of our heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of our heart. That's what I want to see happen for us. 
I don't want us to be just well-mannered people that control our tongues. I want us to be, have a vibrant relationship with Christ, that we're taking time in our week to, to invest in that relationship, that we're taking times, we're taking, what do we do with our, with, with our, our wives? We carve out a date nights and time alone with her. What, what if this week we, we got serious about a date night with God? You know, if we actually put that on the calendar, if we said, you know what, it's been a long time since I've kind of sat with a, a journal, with a, a worship CD, with a, a time where I'm just getting refreshed and restored, renewed. Some of us are running at such a pace that how could we ever stay in a vibrant relationship with God? And I'm preaching to myself here. This, this is where it starts, you guys. That's where the source, where it has to go back to the source because the truth is that a fig tree it can't bear olives, a grapevine can't produce figs, and a salt pond can't yield fresh water. Are we a salt pond? Are we a fresh pond that's being renewed day by day, that's being restored? A salt pond, what is associated with salt death? Like you can't even have fish living in, in, in like the Dead Sea, which was what they were close to because of the salt content there. It's death. My prayer for us this week, you guys, is, is one, this. I, I, I mentioned this idea of blessing. We have an awesome opportunity in the next couple hours when we're together with our, our wives, with our, with our moms, to, to, be a, to speak a blessing, to, to, to be a blessing, to use our words for blessing rather than cursing, to, to lift them up. Think through some things that are said. Maybe, maybe don't depend on harm, Hallmark today to do it. How about that? Like, they're terrible at it, by the way. And, uh... And there I got an amen. And, uh, and, and so what, what if today we were about giving, extending blessings, 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 rather than cursings? Maybe this, this week we need to kind of go through that list of C's and, and the Holy Spirit has some work to do on us. God, God, what do you want to work on? Do you need to work on my complaining tongue? Do you need to work on my critical tongue, my contentious tongue, my corrupt tongue? My conceited tongue, my concealing tongue. I'll tell you what, if nothing comes to mind, that same spouse that you're blessing can probably help you in that. And so, so this is my prayer, though, for you guys this week, is that we get serious about getting to the source, allowing Jesus to move and act and flow through us. What an awesome thing when that's happening. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this additional challenge from your word. There's been a lot of them in this series, all of them convicting. God, I pray in this area of our tongue, such a small thing that with mischosen words that come out of a, a angry or a bitter heart, God, you know that the, the, the stem of all these things, God, we need your help to, to clean us from the inside out, God to bring us back to be the beautiful thing that you designed, the, a, a tongue of, of blessing, a tongue of praise, a tongue of worship. We're designed to be worshipers, God. How can we at the same time tear people apart? It doesn't work like that. God, I pray that you'd help us to be consistent with what our claims are and the way that we actually live it out. God, we're so dependent on you in this area especially. I pray that you do a work in us. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. And that's
that's our prayer here this week, that he would make beautiful things. We're so grateful for you moms. I want you to hear that today. Dads, let's make sure we say it a lot this week, and we're just blessed that you're here. I pray you have a fantastic week in the Lord. And if you do need prayer this morning, we have our elders that'll be available here at the end of the service. If there's a burden that you're carrying, don't leave with it. Let us be an encouragement to you even with that. God bless you.